Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to Red Thread Podcast. I'm your host, Random Randy, and today we've got a video segment for you guys. I wanted to dive into a couple of things, uh, namely the Peace Voyage. Uh, this happened in 1907 to 1909, and um, a fleet known as the Great White Fleet, um, which would have been America's naval prowess at the time, from what we're told, um, you know, sailed around the world on on kind of like a, a peace voyage is what they call it. I find that kind of interesting because, as you know, wherever the American military might goes, destruction often follows. So we're going to take a closer look at this today. And um, so we've got an image up on screen here that is kind of the poster for this event. And um, these were supposedly the first um, steel or, you know, iron, we won't call them ironclads because ironclads were more of the, the period um, of the Civil War, but these were modern ships, modern battleships, all right, for the most part, still seeming to run on steam or, or diesel, some kind of a fuel as they have smokestacks, but there are several ports and, and some of them are very interesting, the um, ports which they visited, right, so let me get that straightened out there, okay. So they visited, you know, all, all around the world. And we'll pull up a map here in just a second to kind of demonstrate that. But this was um, initiated uh, by President Roosevelt and Admiral Evans was involved. And I cannot read off this guy's name here. But anyway, this was a 14 month long voyage and was a grand pageant of American naval power. The squadrons were manned by, get this, 14,000 sailors. I'm surprised it didn't say, you know, 14,400 or some other, you know, mischievous number there. But anyway, moving on, they covered some 43,000 nautical miles uh, or 80,000 kilometers and made 20 port calls on six continents. So here is the map, all right, that we're looking at. And there was some divergence kind of going on over here near Japan where they split up and went to a couple of different places. You know why that is, I I'm not sure. It's kind of strange. And the even weirder part is, is this Navy was, you know, flexing its muscles going around the world to to bring peace and, and supposed goodwill, right? But we have, and we'll get into later, some of the circumstances that happened surrounding this voyage are a little bit strange, man. And, you know, if you're in the theorist circle and like to look into these things, you know, you might uh, be prone to believing or understanding that this may not have been a peace voyage after all. This may have been a covert use of military strength. And, you know, I don't think that we could put that past the uh, powers that be. You know, they do tend to use their military strength, as we're seeing all around the world right now, right? We can't ha ever have a dull moment. So what were they What were they celebrating, right, is, is the biggest question. Peace voyage, right? Like, they just really, they just want to show off these shiny new ships is that is that really really you know okay so this is the reason they give us beginning in the 1880s with just 90 small ships over one third of them wooden and therefore obsolete the navy quickly grew to include modern steel fighting vessels the holes of these ships were painted white stark white rather giving the armada the nickname great white fleet now the interesting thing about that that naming there that nomenclature uh, if you will, is uh, that we also had 
remember in the expo in Chicago, the great white city. So this is like a branch off of that exposition, right? The showing of the world, the new paradigm. Okay. So when you think of the new world order, guys, don't think of this as something that's only now coming into existence. No, this has its roots at least, you know, 150 years ago, maybe to closer to 200 years ago. Um, you know, I'm of the mind that a lot of what we're told are different small kind of wars going on, French Indian, Indian American, Mexican American, like all of these different wars right in the 18 and 1700s. These were a bigger part leading up to this triumph of this great white Navy or great white, I don't know, brotherhood, right? So it's very interesting when you start looking at like the motivations behind things. Um, something that I, I found and I'll pull up here, we won't get too far into it, but I'm wondering about the, you know, integration or the, the activities of something called the Rotary Club. Uh, when you look at this, because when we go in here and we look at these triumphal arches, right, these were put up uh, during that that great white fleet, you know, showing all around the world. And so any harbor they they visited, for the most part, would have these triumphal arches. So, you know, a lot of these are mock-ups and, and you can see that relatively clearly. This is one that was in Tokyo, Japan, and you see the symbols here right? They look like captain's wheels. Just keep that in mind for, for a little bit later, okay? The captain's wheels. On some, we have the eagles, right? See how they're like kind of ramshackle? They just threw these up. And this is, again, this is in, in uh, you know, in Japan. And then we also have some in like Manila. I mean, it's all over the place, guys. Um, but here in this one, we, we see the eagle, which is pretty typical of, you know, welcoming America, okay? Um, the weird part, though, is at the top, we have the American flag and what's on the other side, but the British flag. So it really makes you wonder about the conflict between American and uh, and British, you know, that we're, we're told in school was like, you know, to the death, like fight the Redcoats. You know what I mean? Like like they had no part in American independence, essentially. But, you know, I beg to differ. I think that this is part of this great white brotherhood. Um um, some like to call it nowadays the black nobility, right? Like you have this this group of people. So anyway, moving on, taking a look, you know, again in Japan with those those captain's wheel symbols. So these, and, and, you know, the other thing, this is kind of on a ran, random tangent, but you got to look at that and see those captain's wheels and understand that our form of law that we are a part of um, is maritime admiralty law. So that's that's what we're born into. OK, so. That that makes a lot of sense that you see this symbol of power in, in the Navy itself being rolled out as kind of a, you know. You guys are going to deal with the power control that, that we have over you. We're rolling out this new paradigm um, and the old paradigm was was a little bit different. It would have been built on, you know, on trade and. And obviously on wealth has always had a, a huge part in society um, and molding the thoughts and, you know, kind of popular culture uh, in order to create a consumer demand and all of this stuff. This is nothing new uh, is what I'm trying to say. Um, but, you know, the icon iconography 
for these control systems hit a major shift, uh, you know, back in the 18 and 1900s, um, suddenly the, the serpent or the dragon was done away with, um, you know, even in China, you know, the dragon symbolism went by the wayside. And then we have, you know, the, the star symbolism or the color symbolism of red and yellow. So a lot of changes happened. Uh, you know, I'm of the mind that China was, kind of the first and last to get conquered over there. Um, you know, in a, in a recent episode, I talked briefly with Davey Wavy about the Boxer Rebellion. And um, that seems to have been the last kind of the breaking point of, of the Chinese anyway. Um, and it was only after this seven nation army complete with, you know, American, British, Japanese military came in. Uh, more than likely right around this time that we're looking at here, the same time period. So we're looking at right now some of the festivities having to do with this great white fleet. Okay. All parades, bandstands, all in the, you know, let's see, where is this here? Hmm. Doesn't quite say. Anyway. Just, you know, you see your typical uh, Main Street parade, you know, this is back in a time when television wasn't a thing. So you really had to create a show of it all. And you can see the Navy back there in the background. This is just a small part of it, I'm sure. So you had to create the show, the show of force, right, that we see later in, in the World Wars and things like that. But uh, again, this symbol here, very interesting symbol. Um has some interesting kind of connotations and meanings behind it. But uh, I'll point out, you know, who uses that symbol here in just a moment. But we see some of the photos of this Navy trucking on through, looking very modern, very modern um, set of ships, right? Now, the purpose of this fleet was to showpiece American goodwill, okay? <laughs> you know, in my opinion, this was a victory lap, guys, right? a victory lap um and they've got i mean the fronts of these ships were gilded up like to the t right all sorts of ribbons and i mean some really gaudy stuff and that speaks to what we know of, of rome and like shadow rome right so this is the new face of the control system and and i think there have been many faces of of control throughout the epochs and ages here in this realm um and this is just the most current rendition and, you know, personally, I think that we got to a point uh, where it was like, okay, analog was done. We had, you know, steampunked the crap out of the world, basically. Why there's no evidence for that steampunk kind of situation is because it was it was simply reset. And, um, of course, this speaks to a higher kind of, call it a higher dimensional understanding or just a, a higher power set kind of pulling the strings, right? Everything seems to point up, but we're not sure where the top of that pyramid is or what the top of that pyramid looks like. There's a lot of, you know, insinuation that it is uh, an Anunnaki thing or like an alien thing or, or maybe even giants. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I've got to wonder what if it's just an ultimate purpose of, of life and of uh, what we see as kind of evolution, uh, you know, of, of culture and of spirituality and like everything kind of rolled into one, um, and so that gets into a crazy, weird, you know, tangent. But anyway, this was to demonstrate the capability uh, of the American Navy. So 
And and I'm with the, the question here when it's like this resembles a parade, right? Um, and definitely the question: Why would twenty nations be so eager to see such a force at their doorstep? You know, um, there's a lot of glamour. It doesn't seem to be combat related. Um, but I want to point out a couple of strange things that I came across, um, which are kind of fun. And one of which is, let's pull this one up here. I think I already had it up. But we're going to take a look here at, oh, that's not the one I want. Just a, mo a moment, guys. Here we go. Okay. We're going to look at San Francisco, circa 1906. Okay, and I'm sure a lot of you have seen this this picture before, but um, we are going to zoom in and look at the devastation here taking place, right? Lots of flattened everything. Interesting thing to note is it's cleared out enough that they can pitch tents on these properties. Okay, so, you know, that speaks to some intervention. The, the roads are all clear. And um, so this was taken supposedly like almost immediately after the fire, but they've had time to clean up a lot of this, right? There's a lot of devastation. Uh, of course, the question is, well, man, if this was fire related, you know, how come all the utility poles are standing and so on and so forth. So there's a lot of stuff that we can look at within this picture, but something that I wanted to point out that I had never seen before until I downloaded this very detailed version is this guys. All right. This may seem a little out there, but I've got to, I've got to point this out. Keep in mind the exposure rates of some of these. So imagine if you had over here, a couple of ships out here. Uh, and, and it's interesting as you see the silhouette of something out here. Okay. So if these ships pulled in, you have long exposure times um, and these ships began firing something and we see a trail of things of, of blurs which would happen in a long exposure. They would superimpose on top of each other. Um, oceanic ship or airship, we, we don't know. It's blurred out, right, because of this long exposure time. But look at this. This is an area that's laying in smoke, smoking, right? That's smoking. Um, I mean, look, we also have another kind of situation happening here that looks a little strange, suggesting that maybe there was something being shot out of a, an airship maybe over here and, and has since been blurred out. Um, but again, they wouldn't have to blur this stuff out if the exposures were very long. Okay. It would, it would, and you see the, the resolution of this, this photograph. Um, so that's what we're seeing. A lot of, a lot of this blurring here is not actually smoke, but is, you know, ribbons of smoke passing over time and so on. But um, anyway, I just found this really weird and really intriguing that that this now whether this was you know ma manipulation after the fact or if this is something that was taking place in this moment uh, again seeing the smoking ruins out here um and and the shape of these areas guys look at this and you know it's a it's a bit of a stretch right a little bit but look at the shape Just incredible. And so you can imagine a ship with weaponry or something to that effect sitting out here firing projectiles, which would fly, 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 fly through the air and be hitting down here.
where we see a lot of hot spots, right? Looking like tracers, guys. It's you know, it's 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 out there. It's it's kind of wild, but I wanted to put that out there and show you guys that you know, it's hard to say with a lot of this old photography what exactly was happening with the exposure rates being what they are and everything. So, um was that this same fleet was the same fleet involved in some of the destruction around the world that was going on uh, but in an in an you know kind of incognito type of way they're obviously not going to tell your average person living you know out here what's going on but with the city being so destroyed and you're seeing that only the tents are on this side of town over here right see tents are only on this side of town so you've already gone in devastated in some way shape or form this entire side of town which none of which is smoking but you see a lot of very strange you know things going on the blurring and so on and so forth but i mean it's it's just so strange guys like this is a a, a hell of a picture to take a look at right and you're like well if that was long exposure why would the sun just be right up there you know keep in mind that all of this stuff could very well be manipulated to lead us to see it a certain way or believe a certain thing, which, you know, is fine. It's a theater, right? That's ultimately what I'm coming to realize is we are just here in the theater, the circle of lands, Orbis Terrarum, right? This is, this is where we are. We're, we're in a theater. Okay. Um, everything is an act. It's all to portray a certain thing. Now, one of the coincidences, 1908 Messina, this supposed earthquake, Okay, and it's right in the middle of this victory lap, this great white fleet, right? So this is an interesting one that uh, that comes to mind, and we can show some uh, kind of examples as to what was going on. So the 1908 Messina earthquake occurred on December 28th in Sicily and Calabria. Coincidentally, the great white fleet of the United States was where? It appears it was right there coincidence could be so this is a below cutout from the white fleet itinerary okay just a, an image of of the route here so um you know of course our, our data is not going to be what we want it to be or anywhere close to the truth it will be to portray a certain picture um so you know the the data for the times and locations is probably going to be different depending on where you look apparently in this location we see a kind of correspondence now Let's take a look at the 1908 Messina earthquake. So let's see if we can't pull this up here. There we have the Great White Fleet, right? Looking very great and white. <laughs> so Messina uh, was a place looking very much like, you know, Venice, Italy, and so on and so forth. Lots of canals. I mean, these ships can pull right up to the, the city and everything. Beautiful place with a lot of old world symbolism, including Poseidon. Okay. So very beautiful place, right? beautiful um kind of reminiscent of like italy very romanesque very interesting structures apparently this was a church that's wild i've never seen a church with this type of pomp going on but um 
So just to give you an idea of what we're looking at, some of the stuff that was destroyed. I mean, look at this. Look, this looking very 3D printed on an upward spiral, which is cool. Um, we have the, you know, the eagle kind of uh, sitting over here. The sun disc symbolism making you wonder about this cross at the top, right? So, you know, churches may have been something very different than they are today. And in the background here, you see something quarried out, these nice terraces, demonstrating that this entire land has been indeed quarried. So, you know, there's a lot of different things going on. Some of these things might be explosives. Some of these might be mining. Some of these might just be different uh, methods of extracting resources, which, as you know, we as humanity are here to do just that, to extract resources and unfortunately, to be resources, to be extracted. So, and, you know, that's an out there that that's kind of a wild step for most people to take, uh, you know, to understand that there's a lot more going on than, you know, we're allowed to see in our safe little bubble world, right? So we see some of the just demonstrations of the type of infrastructure that used to be in Messina, now, this comes up sometimes, guys, and, and you see this, this Germanic eagle, right, in an area that also has Christian iconography and, you know, sometimes like swastika or Star of David iconography, okay? I think maybe families, of course, had different, you know, coats of arms than maybe this was this particular family, but it's looking very Germanic, very Caucasian, uh, you know. It's hard to say when you when you start looking back, every symbol that we're shown anymore has has been changed, you know, to something else. And, um, you know, it's for the purpose of not just confusion, but division. So. Um, so very interesting, right? Dirt roads, obviously bearing some form of under structure down here. And we've got all the usual suspects out there. This is after. Okay. So you see what needed to be wiped out, right? The old control structure. And just like in other places in the world, up on top of this building, we have this chariot of the gods or whatever, right? Kind of up there. And so that was brought down. No, we can't have that. up. This is the Bank of Italy, apparently. So, you know, bankers have been controlling it all along and they just decided, hey, it's time for something different. Um, interesting thing to note in this picture, the catastrophe of Messina, right? And so they've got postcards out about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, apparently the stamp over here is like an Italian eagle. So that's interesting. I was not aware of that. So, you know, this symbolism runs deep, guys, real deep. But look at the uh, railroad tracks embedded in here. Railroad tracks, channels, whatever you want to call it. So this obviously had, you know, a cartway, tramway you know, buggy way, whatever you want to call it. And just look at the devastation. Now you can also see in this, the iron infrastructure underneath that has been brought out. Some will say, oh no, that's wood. Uh, you know, I beg to differ guys. Look at these I-beams. Okay. So, you know, there was some significantly complicated and elaborate architecture that needed to be brought down because it didn't speak to the era that they wanted to roll out. They wanted to roll out the 
coming out of the dark ages, just on the tail end of a very brief renaissance. That's the story they wanted to spin. And all of this stuff does not fit within that narrative, you know, um, brick and iron structures, electrically powered things don't fit in with the, Oh, we're going to roll out, you know, Edison and, um, and, uh, and, you know, and them, uh, God, what's his name? You guys know who I'm talking about. Anyway, why I'm drawing a blank, I don't know. But, um, you know, that's when they were on to roll out the new electrical story, right? So so they do. They, they come in with their peace voyage in a very similar time that this is all brought low. And again, this is from an earthquake or a fire. Like, look at, this is in the middle of a courtyard, guys. How high would a building have to be in these surrounding areas to throw this rubble? into this courtyard you know right it, it's kind of weird right kind of wild i mean like like look at this stuff this is obviously blown out of here <laughs> you know what i mean so and then we've got soldiers on the ground right probably the italian you know militia or whatever so i mean and look at the size of some of these structures guys and, you know, some of these, again, you, some people are going to want to say that this is wood, all wood framing and structures up here. I'm sure a lot of it is, guys, but there's a lot of I-beams. There's a lot of heavy-duty masonry and just, you know, a lot of really epic stuff. Now, something I'll point out briefly is if you are living in a structure that has walls this thick, it's going to be very similar to being underground. It's not going to... It's not going to get as warm. You're not going to need as much air conditioning. Now, these ceilings were shaped specifically for ventilation. And, you know, that's why some of these buildings were so tall to, to allow the ventilation, to allow the, you know, power extraction and stuff like this. So, and you can see, like, this is that a walkway that may or may not have been built of wood. But just, you know, take a look at this, this infrastructure that has been brought low. Okay. And we have, you know, some kind of a priestly looking guy right here, which is weird. We've got the the typical characters, one hand visible, right? So call it coincidence, call it what you want. But like all this stuff had to be removed. So they went in and earthquaked it, fired it, right? Much like San Francisco. And they're ready to remove and extract all of this valuable building material and also giving them plenty of things to make aggregate with. And, you know, aggregate gravel is a very big part of where all this stuff went. Same thing with man-made lakes. Um, you can pretty much dump anything in the bottom of something and fill it up with water and just call it a reservoir or a man-made lake or what have you. So very interesting stuff, guys, this destruction. Incredible destruction. We're told it was an earthquake. You know, who know I, I don't know, guys. Maybe they just, you know, piled all of this stuff into this courtyard. Or maybe these buildings were that tall. We, we really don't know. We don't have the greatest idea. Um, so, or it was just, just time for something new, right? Because look at old Messina here, right? The Citadel on the harbor. Interesting, right? So they needed this land, guys. They they needed 
some modernization to happen here. So it's time to remove all of this, level all of this stuff out, right? So, see, and it was a star city before, guys. You want to know where all of these star cities have gone? They, they've been strategically renovated, you know, and, and it's kind of scary, you know, to think. How did uh, all these places get destroyed and nobody knew about it? You're seeing the work at play in, in narrative. Uh, you know, by now you should be seeing that narrative is everything to the understanding of the people. Um, so there's obviously a different set of understanding and knowing that the higher echelon, I guess you call them, engage in it and partake of. Okay. So this was the old world. This is what had to go away in order for our new technologically advanced, very brutalist style. Now, a lot of people will say, well, why don't they build things to last anymore? Well, if you knew that at some point you were going to undergo a renovation, would you not build everything so it would be easily removed and carted away? Especially if you had to deal with this in the past, the devastation of this kind of infrastructure, the carting away of all of this building material right? You would see that, no, we can do it differently. We can use less resources. You know, again, here's seeing these victory arches. Now these compared to the ones in like France, like, come on, right? Like this is obviously put, put up for the occasion. And we're told the same thing about the, uh, you know, the victory arch in Paris, that it was put up for like a funeral or for just the, the soldiers coming home. Now, this is what it looks like when you're saying, hey, soldiers are back, or welcome to the harbor, you know? This, this, is what, this is what temporary ramshackle crap looks like, guys. Okay? So just wanted to point that stuff out. And um, so you see what Messina was before the earthquake, right? Very beautiful stuff. And then we showed you after. And we showed about it being the star city. I mean, look at this. Absolutely stunning. Right. An interesting thing about this, you know, engraving here is it shows the citadel, but it doesn't show anything on top of it at all. Instead, in the background, it shows the, the castle. I think that there would have been a structure here also on this citadel. Okay. We're only showed the floor plan of the citadel, though. Right. Do you want to say, where did the citadel go, guys? Well, this entire outcropping here, this was the star shape. Mm -hmm. The citadel would have been right here. And you can see some little parts left of it. All right. I'm of the mind and opinion that the citadel itself would have been a different type of functioning you know, facility. Maybe it would have housed uh, soldiers or, you know, harbor, harbor masters, right? So, you know, it was all integrated. Um, there were people doing many different jobs and many different things on this sort of uh, harbor here. So, you know, you would have had to have had a place for like administration and it would have had to have looked daunting and imperial. And you know what I mean? It would have to convey a sense of power to the people so that the people stay in line. Nowadays, we have media for that. Right. Back then, you know, they might have had books and things like that, but the demonstration was in the architecture. The demonstration of the power of this control structure was within. 
the structure, the planning, everything. And, and that's why the control structure was allowed to exist by the slave class plebes, because, you know, the slave class was given things to do. We're happy to do them, as many of us are happy to provide for our families and things like this, um, which is fine, you know. And, and also on the other side, if you're in administration, you know, you're going to look at things a lot differently than your average Joe will. And, you know, we have a tendency as people to look at those making the decisions and frown upon them. But I don't think I would want a lot of that decision making capability that these people in control have, whether it be the WEF or any of that. I don't think I would want any of it. Now, here's some etchings and paintings of Messina. All right. So we see, interesting, this one has the double cross at the top. So, all right, so it was a very beautiful place, just massively devastated. So insanity patients being arrested after the earthquake. <laughs> well, were they, were they insanity patients? Were they crazy people or were these just the previous inhabitants, man, that were not going along with the new, <laughs> they didn't want the new normal. They wanted their old normal back. Or they wanted to keep it. So they stayed embedded within this citadel city, making it very difficult for them to be removed without a standing army, right? But if you go and you lay waste to the place in an effort to remove that. So anyway, that's interesting in itself. Do we see the uptick of asylums and things like this all over the world right around this point in time? So they already had the asylums built for these people that they were ready to go in and remove. Okay. So that's part of a, a bigger plan. And, and, and if you're still stuck in your own small frame of mind, you're not going to be able to understand the depth of the planning that goes into all of these moves, all of these major 5d chess moves. Right. So very interesting stuff. You know, this is what, what it's driving towards. Was this was this a bombing run? Was this some form of a look over here while we like was this whole thing part of part of this revolution that had been happening for that like however long before then, including the war of eighteen twelve and all of these other small wars that have been given nice tidy little names after the fact. Um and, and indeed, were they after this, the Citadel? Were they after whatever treasures and whatever information may have been stored here or in these star cities, right? These things were built to keep people out. They were built to be defensive you know, positions. And perhaps they were very recently still being used as defensive positions for what was the old world paradigm, okay? So... This could be why the steady destruction of these all over the world has happened, because these were the homes of the previous power and control structure, the previous in intellectual structure, okay? And, um, you know, it's, it's interesting, but there's, of course, there's no official documents suggesting any wrongdoing. Now... The below 1909 catalog of cap copyright entries 
unless it pertains to the revolutionary bombardment of 1848, could be our only direct evidence that Messina was destroyed by gunfire rather than an earthquake. Warships ready to bombard the wreck of Messina. So they're telling us that these ships were ready to finish destroying the place, right? And the, and this this happens a lot, guys. This is this is the case in San Francisco also. Um, that you know they went in after the supposed fire and earthquake and just laid waste to the rest of it because that's the easiest way to do it. And guess what? This navy in 1906, guys, this navy would have been. It wouldn't quite have been setting out for this peace voyage. So they could have been in the area. And, you know, this is, we're talking uh, American um, naval power. And it it is told to us in the mainstream narrative that San Francisco was finished being demolished partially by dynamite and by naval power. Okay. So they tell us these things and Rome hears that a bombardment of Messina has already taken place. January 4th, 1909. And remember, this is in the end of December uh, that uh, th this earthquake happened. Ruined and desolation in Messina. Okay, so official decision is reached to abandon Messina to fate of Pompeii and Herculaneum, cities of the dead. A plan to bury Messina forever under quicklime is opposed shortly after. Okay, so they were having a little bit of a time deciding how they wanted to see, because this is what they wanted to roll out. This is the, the sketch of, of the, the reconstruction of the port, right? So this is looking very similar to old world stuff, but it's only, it's very, very low, like very one story, maybe two. Um, so they already had the city plan. They were going to re-roll out an entire city. And I, I mean, just look at this guys, like you would have walkways, uh, on this outer leaning wall. So this was a plan very similar to probably the old plan of the star city. And, you know, they were like, no, we don't want to roll out that kind of embeddable infrastructure. We don't want people to have a place to go and a place to hide. Um, and so they went, you know, with the more brutalist style, as we see from a lot of the current stuff, leaving a lot of buildings like banks and power centers, uh, not power, you know, generator centers, but, you know, control structure uh power you know control power structure things administration there you go um you know leaving administration uh in these very romanesque buildings so they're they're still carrying the guise of that imperium and that's where it gets really blurry like like whether this imperium was was in place before or not or if we're just led to believe that rome was a powerful thing um or what it looked like um you know, so there's a lot of weird stuff. And and again, it's kind of strange that you would have this citadel built in here with nothing on it. You know what I mean? And, and of course, all the paintings having just your standard wood sail ships. Um, I'm inclined to believe that there was a lot more going on in this time. And there may have even been a lot more going on in these hills behind where we see, you know, we see a couple of castles on top of a couple of these hills. But I think this entire thing was just built out. And and you know the the place was taken over this world was was renovated destroyed and renovated little by little each individual destruction getting its own historical timeline and we've got all the guys hands in pockets boop 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 boop, boop all the way across for the most part so you know 
in order to motivate these people to come in and do this cleanup work, they would have to have had some degree of information on what had happened, right? Whether that information was correct or not, <laughs> you know, as we see now, everybody gets a different story depending on what your job is within this. Um, so again, let's just briefly look over this devastation. The Bank of Italy brought low. And, and again, you could see, of course, this is in the early 1900s. So within the narrative, there would have been reason for rail tracks and things. But let's take a look at that symbol I was talking about earlier. The Rotary Club. We'll just do a brief touch on this. Um, and, and this particular club is, let's see what they say about their history is everywhere in most american cities you will find the rotary club it is a thing okay whatever rotary may mean to us to the world it will be known by the results it achieves wow this was formed in 1905 guys uh the rotary for club of chicago 1905 now i think that many were started in many many areas right around this point in time so this is part of the rollout of the new control structure that includes you know freemasonry and so on so with every project we're changing the world for the better the following stories trace our evolution as an organization through historical documents artifacts and images that show the people and events that shaped rotary service above self he profits most from he profits most who serves best. What are they serving, guys? Da, da, da. And I know it's not exactly the same logo as a ship's wheel, but guys, I mean, it's it's looking pretty close, right? So this may be the newer version, the newer representation, the uh, homeland version of the crew or group of people I mean, guys, I I shouted at uh, at Ryan over there at uh, Dangerous World, and hopefully he'll take a look into this and can dig more on it. But it just seems strange to me whenever you see these foundations that are are like all about changing history or making history, right? So, I mean, they were they were knee deep in the polio epidemic. I mean. They're part of the, the project that immunized 6 million. There's that number, 6 million children in the Philippines. <laughs> so, so you know, this is just part of it, guys. Part of that, uh, that structure. But, man, going back to 1906, I, could a, a Navy by itself have done all of this devastation? I mean, what do we know about artillery? from that era capable of flying many miles possibly but what else do we know is we know that like like airships we're, we're told were like not a thing like they're so ardent and like adamant about that um the airships are not a thing so let's take a look at some more of these pertaining to the white fleet before we finish here this is a napkin or a handkerchief souvenir scarf right showing the different ships this is a better picture closer up and we see the the gilding on these these ships and and the bright white brilliant white uh holes uh, again the map of the great white fleet tour uh, and and this is you know the bird's eye view 
right? Note that the bird's eye view has like zero of the old world structures shown. Maybe just this one clock tower on the harbor there. But all the rest of it, very brutalist, very square. So that's very different than if you would have looked at the previous San Francisco. The Exposition City, guys. Okay. So all of that land that we were showing that was just, just decimated before is a lot of it was turned into the Panama Pacific Exposition. Now, a lot of people, this is right out of the, the line of view of what we were seeing over there. This is more the area that that, that destruction was taking place here. So, you know, and the interesting thing is, is in these images, we see nothing of the open lots, of the, the decimated areas. We don't see that because, you know, when people would have come in here to go to this exposition, they would have gotten off the train or come in the harbor and they would have gone down a very pre-planned kind of direction down one of these streets and over here. They would not have gone to the other side where, you know, a lot more of the devastation was happening, was, was uh, taken, had taken place. So, you know, and people are like, well, why? Why would you destroy all of this? Well, you're, you're making room for a new paradigm. That's, that's ultimately what it is. And, you know, we see smaller, I think that they've learned to do things in smaller increments just out of the sight of people uh, to, to keep from having to do this large scale thing to allow everybody to continue existing, allow things to evolve. And so we see this on a smaller, like fractal scale happening now, like look at the reclamation of Ukraine by X group or Y group or, you know, um, the devastation of um, Vietnam, you know, by us in, in the 60s. Um, there was a lot of old world infrastructure there that needed to go bye-bye. And it has since, right? So, like, look at this devastation. This is, like, not quite as brutal as what we've seen of Messina. Not quite, right? Like, this is just gone. All of this stuff is just gone. Now, to me, that can mean that, listen... They had cleanup crews here a long time before tidying this all up, getting rid of all of this rubble and stuff that we just don't see any of it anywhere out here, right? Um, fire, I don't think would have destroyed a lot of this brickwork. And, and you know, uh, anyway, enough on that. So, and then there's that picture we were looking at earlier uh, with the possible, uh, you know, shapes over here in the ocean and it sounds crazy to say it but it's it's weird that this is the only corner of the picture that's damaged and so who knows conspiracy in itself maybe but this is uh i think this is like hiroshima so this is just demonstrating like the the level of devastation that took place in chicago in uh in 1906 san francisco i don't know that it was this extensive in messina i really don't think that it was but you know, it's weird stuff. So we'll just uh, we'll leave it here for today. I wanted to just share that with all of you guys and, uh, you know, see what you think. Um, was this a peace voyage? Like what was, what was really going on here? American goodwill. Is that a thing? Right. <laughs> so, you know, there's some interesting aspects to that there. 1908 Messina, what happened to San Francisco in 1906, what was really going on. Now, you want to get to some weird, like, weird possibilities here, like some very strange ones. Uh, I'm thinking of Harp, 
right? You guys don't know what harp is. It's an antenna array. All right, and it's up in Alaska. The one that's American, I guess, is up in Alaska. And um, and it is, we'll pull up the standard site for it real quick, guys, so that you can see it, just so you can see it here. So let me pull that up. And, and you know, I know I'm not the, the greatest at streamlining these videos for you all, but I think that I'm bringing... Uh, you know, enough valid points to where you can look into it yourselves and, and see what you think, right? See what you think. All right, let's take a look at HARP. And we see HARP as a lot of different antennas, kind of strategically positioned, right? We're going to just take a look at a picture here. Now, each of these antennas by itself doesn't really do much. It needs all of the other antennas. And through this, they are able to project a beam of energy up into the atmosphere and kind of poke a hole in it or manipulate things going on in the atmosphere. Okay. So, you know, my thought is, is a lot of people are like, well, energy weapons, was this devastation caused by like some form of energy weapon? Um, that's, that's possible. Now there have been ties from tying this harp infrastructure to earthquakes and, even fires maybe um like so there may be creating beams of energy that are so powerful but they're able to bounce them off of the ionosphere is what they say and reflect them back down to earth in, in a kind of like in a death ray sort of a sort of a happening so you know this is a possibility now was some technology like this embedded within the superstructures of these ships <clears throat> and and i know it seems crazy guys but look at every, every one of these steam powered obviously steam powered ships is also set with masts sails i don't see any sails i don't recall ever seeing these ships have sails uh, up just flags on the flagpoles and of course there were lights and things up here but, you know, think about that. If you have technology embedded within these ships, nobody has to know about it. You can go and park in a certain line out here. Go park in a certain line. And as long as you're arranged in the, in the pattern that you need to focus that energy, you can create an energetic beam. And a lot of people think that's crazy. And now think about this. If you had that beam and you had a few, say, airships with parabolic mirrors, sitting above the city to redirect that energy, you could effectively lay waste to entire areas and just turn it to dust. So that's the energy weapon side of, of what may have happened here. Earthquakes, harp sort of, uh, you know, introducing energy into the environment to create an effect. All right. So that you want to go deep, deep in the rabbit hole. That's how deep this rabbit hole goes. <clears throat> it goes super deep, right? Um, we're not shown being shown anything but the massive flagships of this um, Navy. Now, if you know anything about the way the Navy kind of moves in fleets, there's tons of supporting ships, right? Which a lot of them nowadays are like radio receiver transmitter ships. Um, I, I mean, it's crazy, guys.
we'll just take a look at the different types of ships so that you can see that there's a lot of different aspects that the Navy includes. Um, we've got some classifications. Let's take a look at this here. Types of ships in the American Navy. And there's tons, guys. There's tons of different types of ships. Now, back at this point, we're told they were like just building, you know, this. They were just building like this was a brand new Navy. I, you know, I don't know, guys. I don't know. I think that everything that we're told about history is to suit a certain purpose, you know, quite, quite frankly. And um, but you can see the different types of ships. Well, if it'll let me pull it up that uh that we have here um and it's just not a very good but you see the just the, the difference right some are are fast attack some are you know support ships some are um you know troop carriers some are submarines you know some are torpedo boats some are missile ships i mean you've got lots of different ones so you could be moving this this whole like group of ships around and have still sitting outside of the harbor a significant number of other ships that maybe you're not wanting to show the world, but are there to do a different purpose. And they're there to maybe, you know, destroy, <laughs> destroy, destroy. So, you know, that's the depth of this rabbit hole that encompasses this. Ooh, that was brutal. That encompasses this great white fleet. So, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what you guys think about this. Um, we'll throw it up on the YouTube also. Uh, as always, I love to hear it in the comments. Um, there is a post up on the Instagram. Currently regarding this voyage, go check out at Random Fracks on Instagram. Now you can search in the YouTube, you can, uh, in the search bar, search at Random Fracks. That's how you find all the content, all right? So that should just about wrap this up. Just wanted to put this out there and see what you guys think. You know, um, I don't put it past these power structures for saying, hey, look over here, peace voyage. Meanwhile, you know, laying waste to specific areas. So coincidence, you know, everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Um, Messina definitely does look like a more conventional bombardment. There's not from what we're shown. There's there's still a lot of rubble. Not everything's turned to dust like in Frisco. So you know, it may very well be a, a standard bombardment. Uh, keep in mind that it would be very easy for the support ships to be aircraft carriers of types and to carry airships in the night and just kind of lay waste to things. So that being said, those are just some of the thoughts, guys. And, and I want to thank you for tuning in and, and checking out, you know, the information here. Um, as is usual, if you would like to take a look at these threads, go take a look over at stolenhistory.net, guys. Um, there's some interesting stuff going on there and at, at a minimum, it's a great notebook to then go off and, and search into these different aspects of this. Um, so, you know, that way you don't feel alone. The thoughts are out there. There are people engaging in this sort of frame of mind. Um, so it makes it a little easier if you're just new to the whole Tartaria old world thing. And you're like, man, where do I go? to look at these different threads, to find this different information. Well, a great place to start is Stolen History blog. So that's a good one. Another one is Michelle Gibson's blog. I haven't been on that in a while, but it's called Piercing the Veil of Illusion.net. So those are a couple that I recommend to you all. I want to thank you for tuning in. And this has been another Red Thread podcast. Thanks, guys.